From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. This episode is part of our Building the Future series. We're focusing on how organizations, researchers, and innovators are meeting our evolving global challenges. We understand the importance of inclusive conversations and have chosen to highlight the work of women on the cutting edge of technological innovation and business excellence. Our topic today is sustainability. Creating a sustainable enterprise requires not just support from leadership, but a commitment to setting and meeting outcomes in a transparent way across the entire enterprise. Building a purpose-driven model with a commitment to environmental, social, and governance goals can also lead to new products, new ways of working, and even new revenue streams. Two words for you, go green. My guests are Stephanie Jamison, Global Resources Industry Practices Chair at Accenture, and Gita Rao, Senior Lecturer at MIT Sloan Management School. This episode of Business Lab is produced in association with Accenture. Welcome, Stephanie and Gita. Hi, Laurel. Thank you so much. Hi, Laurel. It's a pleasure to be with you all. Well, thank you both for being here. So to start off, Gita, sustainability isn't new, but you managed the first global environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, portfolio in the United States. How has the focus on ESG improved since then? And how do you think about the current urgency for enterprises and governments? Yeah, Laurel, I um, managed the first global ESG portfolio in this country uh, way back. And this was for a uh, client in the UK. And the impetus was that the client was even back then, two decades ago, very concerned about fossil fuels. They were also concerned about human rights issues, the treatment of the workforce, and in addition, um, how companies were governed. It was a very proactive process where we would vote our proxies. We would select companies uh, based on a thoughtful consideration of ESG criteria engage with managements and work with them towards these goals. So, and then we would report back to the client. So it was a um, virtuous circle, which is what is required in order to invest in businesses that are trying to achieve sustainability goals. And Stephanie, how are you seeing this type of urgency play out with clients across industries now? Laurel, at Accenture, we see sustainability as the new digital. Just as the digital revolution transformed how we live and work, so now will sustainability. It will drive new value, new growth, and eventually, and I hope very soon, it's going to permeate everything that we do in business and in government. Leaders have long understood that what we measure shapes what we do. Today, we know ESG performance has become an imperative, but it's not just for compliance reasons, also for business performance too. Mapping a clear route, measuring the business potential and impact of sustainability is key. And frankly, there is a lot of work to do in that regard for us to scale the progress. 
And then Stephanie, what are some of the more formidable challenges that organizations are facing as they move towards sustainable practices? And there must be obviously opportunities as well. There's so much opportunity. I would say while most companies now recognize that ESG metrics are linked to performance and not just compliance, many business leaders are finding challenges with targeting, managing, measuring and reporting sustainability performance while others are actually getting ahead. What I see is that if the laggards let the leaders get too far ahead, those that eventually act could become locked out of securing some new sources of growth and value related to sustainability and driven by sustainability. I think the renewable energy space is potentially an example of that. Not yet, but potentially could become an example there. This is an area where a small number of companies built their renewables businesses more than 10 years ago, and in some cases, 20 years ago. Now they have large, profitable, global businesses that new entrants will find it hard to compete with. Goldman Sachs refers to these leaders that are based in Europe as the green energy majors, and financial analysts love them. They have a lot of confidence in their future growth potential. But we still have a long road to travel on the sustainability journey, and it's not too late to act and enter new markets. By reshaping and retooling their organizations, leaders can overcome challenges and create value and lasting impact while also improving ESG performance and metrics. I think to achieve this, organizations need to do three things. They've got to set a clear destination. They've got to set their route that gets them to that destination with milestones along the way and measuring and reporting. What we see today is that many report what they're doing, but in most cases, it's not actually getting against a plan. And when it comes to measuring and reporting, access to the right data to make better decisions at every level is critical. And that's where technology comes in. There are some great solutions in the market emerging and starting to scale. Cloud and platform providers play a pivotal role here in tracking and providing insights throughout the entire supply chain. And I'll just give you one example of that. Um, It's linked to a partnership that Accenture and Microsoft launched in June earlier this same year. The partnership will deliver solutions that enable organizations, our clients, to address their key sustainability challenges and to capture new business opportunities. The initial focus of the partnership is to help organizations transform their operations, their products, services, and their entire supply chain to reduce the company's emissions. We will eventually expand focus in the future to tackle other ESG issues beyond emissions, but that is a critical focus for many businesses today. We're investing in the co-development of solutions designed from the start to emit less carbon over their life cycle. And we've even joined forces with Microsoft to offer advisory services to help businesses reduce emissions, transition to the new energy sources and reduce or eliminate waste. It's an opportunity that I'm really excited about because it does take technology and human ingenuity to tackle this opportunity and to capture the opportunities here. And Gita, there, there's something about this virtuous circle, sort of as Stephanie described, um, coming about here as well. So you're actually seeing it, um, it at every stage from the enterprise, reporting out back to the clients, et cetera. What do you think about this, um, these challenges and opportunities here that, that, are, that are possible, the sustainability 
practices? Well, if we take a step back, um, Stephanie mentioned um, renewables. Uh, I think it's really important uh, to think about the role of government in all of this and the role of regulation. Uh, the renewables industry in the US, as well as in you know, other countries like India and others, would not have gotten off the ground without a public-private partnership. Similarly, for ESG, uh, there's a few things we really need. One is transparency, which is you know, how much are companies emitting? What are their goals? But the second is accountability. And that is, if they do not meet those goals, what is the consequence of that? So in terms of regulation, um, Europe is pretty far ahead of the US in that regard. But uh, until we have a clearly defined set of regulations around this, it's kind of like the Wild West, um, honestly. And it does open up a very serious issue of potential greenwashing, uh, which we should mention. And that is, um, you know, we, we have the uh, companies with genuine intentions, and then there are others that are also going along. And it's very hard for the investing public or for others to be able to distinguish between these. So I would like to mention the role of government in all of this and um, the, the importance of, uh, of transparency. Just to give you an example, the SEC um, recently has uh, released some disclosure rules about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. Now, um, we know from uh, a lot of climate studies that scope two and scope three account for about somewhere between 70 and 80% of emissions. So scope one is a tiny part of total emissions, but getting visibility into scope two and scope three is uh, incredibly tough. Uh, companies have very long and complicated supply chains. We know this through the pandemic. And uh, how do we figure out where the supply chain has these nodal points? And that's where I think uh, the creative use of alternative data, the use of uh, technology is, is really going to be a uh, game changer. And it's a go on about that a little bit more for the, the transparency there, Gita. How does the transparency help internal decisions being made in an enterprise, um, whether it is pursuing, like you said, compliance with those government regulations or even making changes to products or decisions because you sort of have this overarching idea, um, hearkening back to what Stephanie said, if sustainability is new digital, that means Every company, uh, I'm following through on a very common tech phrase, which is every company is a digital company, right? Or every company is a technology company. Therefore, every company is going to have to be a sustainable company. How does that actually play out? Well, Stephanie is the expert on strategy. I will just tell you, I'm a, you know, I like to keep things very simple. Companies have to think long term. And investors have to think long term. When we say long term, I mean, you know, all of these decisions, these are micro decisions, but they translate at the enterprise level into macro decisions. And these decisions involve upfront costs. And those upfront costs are borne by the company 
understanding that longer term, it helps them achieve this goal of building a sustainable business. So sustainability and a long-term perspective are inextricably linked with each other. And it starts with framing a strategy for the long-term and, and everything else fits into that. And Stephanie, how does this transparency translate, as Gita said, to the strategy of a company? Laurel, Gita mentioned the role of regulation and, and I completely agree with all of her comments, the importance of regulation, the role of regulation, those regulations have to be put in place, else we're going to be in the wild, wild west for quite some time. And in some countries, there has been some regulation put in place, but, but not enough and not fast enough, but eventually we'll, we will get there. And that drives that absence of super clear regulation at scale everywhere, it drives the need for businesses and governments to focus on transparency. At Accenture, we have made sustainability one of our greatest responsibilities, not just because it's the right thing to do, but also because we believe that it will create one of the most powerful forces for change in our generation. We believe that transparency builds trust and helps all of us make more progress. And therefore, when it comes to transparency, we have expanded our ESG reporting with three additional frameworks. Those are the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, and the World Economic Forum International Business Council metrics. We've done that while continuing to report against the Global Reporting Initiative Standards, the United Nations Global Compact's 10 Principles, and the Carbon Disclosure Project. So all of this shows you how seriously we take transparency within Accenture. Uh, and to continue there, Stephanie, what is purposeful sustainability? Um, how can an organization, especially C-suite leaders, apply this kind of framework to yield the greatest results, as Gita said, from the micro to the macro? Laurel, I will use a framework that we apply to our own business within Accenture and advise our clients on. Our goal is to create what we call 360 degree value for all of our stakeholders. That includes our clients, our people, our shareholders, our partners, and the communities that we operate in. We define 360 degree value as delivering the financial business case and unique value that a client may be seeking, along with striving to partner with our clients to achieve greater progress on inclusion and diversity, reskilling and upskilling their people, achieving their sustainability goals, and creating meaningful experiences for their customers and employees. We've developed a 360 degree value reporting experience. We use that to bring together all of our ESG and financial metrics. This allows us to detail our progress and performance on our 360 degree value goals. And we actually produce that and report and share that publicly and quarterly to really lead in that regard. We believe that reporting through the lens of 360 degree value allows us simply to see more and to see more clearly. And we also advise clients on how to report and communicate in the same way. Gita, what challenges will enterprise face when they are focusing on purposeful sustainability? Uh, clearly, there are also opportunities here as well. When we think of challenges, uh, let's step back and think of how do we assess purposeful sustainability. One way is evolutionary. 
and the other way is revolutionary. And both of those involve different trajectories in terms of the, how the business grows and how decisions are made. And what do I mean by that? You take a company like Unilever, or you take a, a you know you take an, a Chevron, or even an Equinor. Um, these companies are large. They have established practices. They have you know these are super tankers. Trying to guide those through these these sustainable, purposeful waters means you're you're making evolutionary changes. You really are, and you're you're really trying to, you know, shape the future direction in in which the company's moving, the super tankers moving. Revolutionary is very different. Uh, we have a fintech company that's been started by one of our actually our master finance alums. Uh, when you think when you when we think of how you know all our clothes and our cars and everything arrived to us on these giant cargo ships from China and elsewhere, those cargo ships are actually have people on them and they're almost always men. They have to be there. There are, these are not, uh, these are not manned by robots. And those people, there's a huge problem with uh, payments uh, for this, uh, for these people because they are on the ships 45 weeks a year and uh, the money they're supposed to get paid but the money doesn't reach their families for weeks on end. These are very poor people. And the ships carry billions of dollars. So let's think about this. What are the incentives here? The ship owners would like to reduce the amount of money they have to carry because it's a huge business risk. The, the workers should and, and need to get paid on time. Um, this, this, this FinTech app allows this to happen. And, and in, in, you know, in real time. And the EU is one of uh, the uh, entities that is funding it. Now, this is revolutionary. What is the challenge here? The challenge here is scaling up. Scaling up, figuring out how to you know, put this in other contexts. There are many, many contexts in which, in which this can be applied. So that's, that's what I would say is, uh, you know, the, these are the challenges, but there are fantastic opportunities when we start the framing when we start with a framing that we want to build a business for the long term where there's a stakeholder perspective. So this is an interesting um, example, Gita, because basically you're saying one very focused application um, of technology, which is this payment app that also will help um, not just the workers, but also the owners of the boats and also, I'm assuming, um, other places in the supply chain know where this delivery of oil is, is going to. Um, it is this probably a, an unrecognized um, need within the company itself, right? Uh, it's helping the workers in other ways, not just sustainability. And so perhaps one way of looking at sustainability is how we can actually help across the entire organization with other problems. It's not something that it's off on an island to itself. It actually can be integrated with everyday enterprise and business needs. I think that's a very important observation. And Stephanie's been emphasizing this. It has to be done from the ground up. And uh, you know, her company and others in working with the C-suite 
and working with leaders and organizations, they are bringing this, this notion that it's not just cost cutting, it's innovation, right? That drives profits and trying to build a purposeful, sustainable business is actually innovative and it will grow your business in the long term. At the same time, you're taking into account how you treat your suppliers, how you treat your customers, how you treat your employees, how you handle the environmental impact of your operations. All of these things are part of your decision-making. Absolutely. And Stephanie, as we're talking about innovation, how do you see purposeful sustainability evolving in the next three to five years? And then how can a, a focus on multidimensional value creation really benefit both greater society and investors and enterprises alike? Laurel, business leaders are certainly alert to the challenge. In a recent study done by Accenture, we found that more than 70% of executives that we surveyed said that becoming a truly sustainable and responsible business was a top priority for their organization over the next three years. So 70% of the executives said this is important and it's important for us in the short term and we are going to take action. And I believe that because if you just look back on the past one year, two years ago, there has been significant progress from business leaders and this pace I do expect to accelerate. The success of such change rests upon a tangible commitment to stakeholder centricity. Crucially, our analysis shows organizations with stronger sustainability DNA do deliver higher financial value and greater environmental and societal impact. I believe this is an, a watershed moment in history. This is a watershed moment in history. The focus on sustainable development will be the key to competitiveness and sustained success for businesses moving forward by putting sustainability at the center of everything a business does and how they do it is going to create new value in the future. And Gita, Stephanie calls it a watershed moment. You also call it a, a need for a revolutionary or evolutionary actions. So how are you seeing purposeful sustainability evolving in the next three to five years? We have a um, confluence of uh, events and circumstances, which, uh, you know, it's, it's a cliche to call it extraordinary, but the pandemic really exposed our vulnerabilities. Uh, on top of that, we have ongoing effects of climate change, both in this country and worldwide. It's estimated that, you know, half a billion people will be forced into migration due to climate change. And that disproportionately affects those who are poor and communities of color. And there's a greater emphasis than ever before on making sure that we tie in all of these goals in trying to think about how businesses can function within the society that we have. And, and, uh, and, and really contribute positively. There's, a, there's been a reframing and I'll give one example. Uh, we talk about the labor puzzle, which is in the United States, where are the workers? You know, we have a continuing shortage of labor at all levels. And where are the workers? Where have they gone? And at first it was the pandemic and the stimulus and so on, but it's not easing up. And companies are saying, 
well, you know, this is, this is with us for a, it's maybe for the long term. And we have to make sure that we engage in skilling, in retention, uh, maybe even, you know, uh, what is it, uh, on-ramping. Uh, Stephanie, you, you know this term better than I do. You know, people who are, uh, who were ready to leave the workforce, but, you know, you keep them on in some capacity because of this collective knowledge and experience base they bring. So it is not just about responding to climate change and environmental issues, but this is all it's, it's a web, it's all related. And responding to that in an effective manner, in a concerted manner, I, I would like to use one analogy, which is that no one company can do it alone. And when, when the airlines started flying, if you wanted to fly from Washington DC to Dayton, Ohio uh, on Delta, Delta didn't build its own airport, right? Delta flew into a common airport that was used by United and American and everybody else. Similarly, to solve these societal issues that impact companies, we actually need to create coalitions. And these coalitions have to be coalitions of companies, partnerships with firms like Stephanie's, um, with uh, governmental organizations, with NGOs, um, advocacy groups. This, you know, We all have to work together on this. What a fantastic place to end. Thank you very much, Stephanie and Gita, for joining us today on the Business Lab. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you, Laurel. That was Stephanie Jameson, Global Resources Industry Practices Chair at Accenture, and Gita Rao, Senior Lecturer at MIT Sloan Management School, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Global Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Jiro Studios. Thanks for listening.